Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the Al Franken podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everybody. Uh, we've got a great one today that's not political for a change. Uh, not about a public policy issue that gets a whole bunch of attention on the news shows, but actually should. It's about how the pandemic has affected the families and especially uh, the kids in families uh, without a lot of resources. And in many cases, not a lot of resources is a big understatement. This past year has, of course, been extremely difficult for all of us, for everyone, for everyone. It's a global pandemic uh, here in the United States. Uh, we've had over 470,000 people die. Good percentage of Americans have lost someone uh, close to us um, to this pandemic. But for people of color, for uh, people living in poverty, those numbers have, have been higher. And in so many ways, their lives have been much more difficult. And, and we as a nation, we just haven't handled that part of it particularly well. But there are a lot of heroes uh, of course, the uh, frontline healthcare workers, thank you on behalf of all my listeners, thank you. Uh, but a lot of other heroes, too, and I'm going to be talking to three of them today. One is my daughter, Thomason. She wouldn't consider herself a hero, but I do. Thomason works for the uh, D.C. public school system, and her job uh, is working with their partners, and there are a lot of them, and I'll explain that in a bit and why I consider my daughter a hero. Now, my wife, Franny and I have been very lucky to be in our uh, daughter's family's bubble. Uh, we happened to be in D.C. when COVID started, and unlike a lot of friends of ours, we've gotten to be with our grandchildren and help out Thomason and her husband, who is a very established lawyer, by the way, and uh, take care of our now uh, seven-year-old grandson, Joe, and four-year-old granddaughter, Avery. Franny is an amazing uh, grandmother. One day, Joe, the seven-year-old, said to me, Grandpa, Grandma just understands us. Now, I get to watch the kids and play with them and, uh, and good weather barbecue for them and, and uh, put them to bed. Now, the seven-year-old Joe is a pleasure to put to bed. He reads. He's very smart. One night, he was reading a Dr. Seuss book on the human body, and he was looking at an illustration of the organs, and he said to me, Grandpa, I'd have to assume that there's some kind of tube between the kidney and the bladder. And I think how lucky he and his sisters are. Both their parents are professionals and read to them and have a graduate degree, and they've got it pretty nice. You know, after reading with Joe, we'd snuggle, and uh, I sing Grateful Dead songs, uh, Broke Down Palace and Ripple, and Joe would fall asleep uh, like an angel. Avery, absolutely impossible for me to get Avery to go to sleep. She'll talk nonstop, uh, telling me the plot of the uh, latest Paw Patrol episode, doing all the dialogue. Or if she isn't talking, she jumps up and down on the bed. 
and there's nothing I can do to stop her. Uh, during a week or two uh, period uh, to torment me, she got uh, her hands on a flashlight, and she would just shine it in my eyes and think that was hilarious. Anyway, after a half hour of that, her dad would come in and kick me out, and then uh, he'd get her to sleep. Now, like so many, if 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 not most kids around the country, Joe and Avery have been going to school virtually and have not seen their friends. And though they get along pretty well, there's only so much you can take of your brother or your sister. That said, my grandchildren will have every opportunity in the world to succeed. But for so many families and so many kids in Washington, D.C., this period has been exponentially more difficult. Uh, it's one thing to be cooped up in a house where you have your own bedroom and a yard. It's quite another to be living with a, a, a single parent and a number of brothers and sisters in a one or two bedroom apartment where there's food insecurity in a neighborhood where there's been a marked uptick in shootings. And that is the case in, in Washington, D.C. Parents have rearranged the furniture in their apartments so that you don't sit in front of windows. Uh, there's been a rise of mental health issues, of course, everywhere. Uh, rise in domestic violence. Parents who, who can't work because they're taking care of kids and are worried about eviction and, and food. And then there are these heroes, uh, like Jackie Elo, uh, whom you'll meet. She is uh, the connected school manager at uh, Blue High School. Connected schools are like community schools. That's what the term is in D.C. Uh, Blue High School is in Southeast Washington. The connected schools are, they say, are schools where the D.C. public schools system has made an investment to meet the needs of, of students by hiring a person whose sole job it is to connect students with the resources they need to succeed. And that's Jackie's job. And you'll meet her. And she is amazing. And this strategy is necessary because most of the students who attend Baloo, uh, Baloo High School do not have the same resources and opportunities to succeed as my grandchildren do. These are students who are furthest from opportunity. That's uh, the term they use, furthest from opportunity. Uh, Jackie's school, Baloo High School, 100% of the kids are furthest from opportunity, not 99%, 100%. And they have school choice in D.C., and these kids choose to go to Baloo, and part of the reason they choose Baloo is because of Jackie, who is just an amazing woman and just goes the extra mile every day for these kids and their families. And uh, know that for every Marjorie Taylor Greene in the world, there's a Jackie Elo. And you'll hear from another hero uh, in my mind, D.C. Public School Chancellor Lewis Farabee, who has been leading all these efforts to make this uh, work for the 50,000 students in the D.C. public school system. For better part of the year, uh, these kids have not been able to go to school for the same reason kids haven't been able to go to school elsewhere. And part of that is teachers haven't felt safe because of COVID. So uh, all the kids in the D.C. public school system have been learning, we're learning online. And that meant every student needed to have a device, a tablet, and connectivity. And this chancellor made that a priority and achieved it. And my daughter worked very hard to make that happen. But after a number of months, it became clear that there were some kids who needed to go 
somewhere, go, go to school somewhere because their parents just desperately needed to be able to get out of the house and work to make money. And this program to enable kids to go to actual physical buildings with supervision and, and computers and lunch and physical activity. It's called the CARE program. And I watched my daughter work around the clock to make that happen. And she, along with a lot of partners, got 40 buildings opening, many of them, uh, many of them schools, not all of them, some churches. You got volunteers, some teachers, but mainly volunteers who manned these centers, helped the kids got on, uh, get online, uh, got the kids lunch. The kids go outside and play with the other kids. And I can not tell you the hours that Thomason worked on this. Um, uh, a lot of it's sometimes tedious, sometimes thankless. I watch her do this work, partnering with churches, with sororities, getting volunteers, vetting, vetting the volunteers. You got to vet folks volunteering to work with kids. Uh, opening the buildings, getting these buildings, lining up the food and the computers and Somebody do, has to do that, and that was my daughter. <laughs> my daughter. And uh, when I read this article in the Washington Post about how much this has meant to these kids, uh, many of uh, them English language learners, I just, I had to do this. I had to do a podcast on this. And because th these kids are just so happy to be with other kids. And uh, I and I just got to say, this is something that, as a dad, I'm very proud of. But as a podcaster, it's something I wanted to point folks to because I find what um, the people who are contributing, who are really contributing, I find them very inspiring. And sometimes I spend too much time thinking about the people who make money spreading lies. Um, during this period, the Sean Hannitys, the people who monetize spreading poison online. And I just want to highlight some of the good guys uh, who we sometimes forget are doing God's work. So I'm going to start with Chancellor Farabee, then go to Jackie Elo and Thomason Franken, a young woman I've had my eye on for quite some time now. It's a great one, you know, for a change. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me learn real-life conversation in German. For example... Let's say you wanted to order soup with your dinner. Die Suppe würde mir auch gefallen. That means the soup. <laughs> that, means, that means I would also like the soup. And that way, I get soup with dinner. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash franken. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash franken, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash franken. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, 
Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Chancellor Farabee, thank you for joining us. Uh, Now, the kids have been learning from home, and so connectivity is so important. How have you done that? We have Jackie Elo, one of the... uh, Connect managers, uh, Connect school managers at uh, Baloo. Uh, uh, how has connectivity gone? Baloo High School was actually one of our uh, front runners in implementation of device distribution. We started also in the spring with the hotspot as the solution for connectivity. Uh, we then now con- that wait a minute that means a hotspot means you give the kid a thing that creates a hotspot in their home. Is that it? That that is correct. So this thing that they receive, <laughs> that's a thing. Is a technical connects, term. Connects them to the internet, and it's you know no cost to the family. So when the students picked up their device, they could pick up the hotspot, or if they already had a device and needed connectivity, they could come to the school and pick up the hotspot. We also then launched through the mayor's leadership uh, connectivity program where students of high need could uh, sign up for no cost um, internet access. And so the goal has always been to ensure that students have a device of their own and also they can connect to the internet to participate in remote learning. So now you're at 100%, every kid in uh, all 50,000 kids? Yep. Now, not all students need a device. Not all students needed support with connectivity. We estimated about half of our students needed a device. So we have distributed over 30,000 devices. And a smaller percentage of that 50% actually needed uh, support with connectivity, which we think was about 25% of our student population. But every student has a device and they're able to connect to the internet. Thomason, as you know, has been uh, very involved in opening these care classrooms for kids whose parents just had to go work and uh, their kids need a place to learn. And that means uh, working with with partners. My daughter did this to uh, open buildings, uh, some schools, some uh, some churches, uh, and and find volunteers uh, to supervise, help supervise these kids to get online and provide food and take these kids out for physical activity because, uh, the, the teachers in, in the deep, uh, DC public school system were teaching all teaching virtually, uh, there because of COVID. And so she got these, uh, enlisted these volunteers and she had to vet them and she worked uh, you should give her a raise. I don't know if you can. Anyway, yeah, um, I agree. She her her commitment has been phenomenal. <laughs> I could take the whole segment and brag about Thomason. She's a a great partner and colleague, and she really took to heart the responsibility to connect our partners. So we have partners that have been providing after school and before school care, 
And we also have had some volunteers to support us with our care model. Students essentially come to school, uh, they go to a classroom and they fire up their device and they log on for remote learning, but they do it from a school building in the classroom and they're supervised by an adult who's approved partner. Now, what this does is it frees up their parents or their parent, if it's a single parent home, to go to work. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and it also provides students the ability to socialize with their peers. Uh, they get yep. meals on the campus. Uh, they get physical activity. Uh, so a lot of the students really enjoy just being back in school. And this is an opportunity to do that and get some academic support. And as you said, allow parents and guardians to work during the day. There's about uh, 65 schools that are open for these kids. I read a, a moving article about how happy these kids are to be back in school. And what's fascinating is, you know, I had a chance to be in a school and see a student log on and their peers realized they were at school and you can hear them, oh my God, you're at school. You know, that's Miss So-and-So's classroom. How do you get to school? And, <laughs> you know, from that experience, you can just see how much- They want to get back miss- to school. Yes, now, let me ask it. you about this. There's been research done on this, on the effect of kids not being in school. Have you seen the results of those studies and what are they? Well, there's been a lot of research around the social gaps. And so many uh, pediatricians have have raised that up, that they believe that, you know, the ability to connect with your peers is critical to the development process and uh, the movement, the physical activity. So we, we work hard to provide that from home, but of course, it's not the same. And then there's the learning gaps. Uh, what we're seeing, and we're starting to see this evidence nationally is that uh, students who have caring adults at home that can support the learning process, uh, many are doing pretty okay and maybe even better than what they were doing before uh, the pandemic. But if you don't have access to an adult who can support you with learning at home, uh, we're starting to see those learning opportunity gaps widen. And so we we believe it's critical that for those families who need in-person experiences to support academic and social emotional well-being, uh, that we provide that so they can continue to progress and have the prerequisite skills needed to to go on and, and continue their academic uh, trajectory in DCPS. So uh, you're phasing in the uh, more general population of kids coming uh, back in February, and and how will that progress? It will vary by school. So for the most part, I would say about one class per grade level at every elementary school and about 25% of the population at our middle school and high schools. Some of that is, you know, based on, you know, the workload of the families and some of that's based on, you know, other factors. And we'll continue to assess demand throughout the school year. And most importantly, is monitor the health conditions. So, you know, the mayor has said, and I have said consistently throughout the pandemic, if it's not safe for us to operate in-person learning, we'll obviously dial it back. Uh, But we believe we've done the due diligence in our health and safety protocols to have in-person activities. And uh, we also believe that our residents are being responsible with helping us control and mitigate the spread of COVID-19. 
Where do you think teachers should be in terms of priority for the vaccination? I think they should be at the top of the list. Uh, you know, so <laughs> the chancellor I, uh, of the DC I, public schools. Yeah, I'm biased. You know, I, I have a um, a spouse who's a, a healthcare worker, and obviously want uh, them to be at the front of the line, and they are in the district. And as it stands right now, um, our healthcare and essential workers are in either one A or one B cohorts of the vaccination process, and teachers are in the 1B group of essential workers. One, we know the effect that this has had on kids. So we want them back in school. That's one. Two, the effect on the economy. Because this means parents can go back to work. Uh, change the subject a little. Uh, you know, it's it's nice that the guy who uh, will be the, the new Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardona, uh, he understands public schools. He was a commissioner of education in, in Connecticut, and he's been a teacher and a principal. And you were a principal, am I correct? Yeah, I've been, I've been a teacher. I started my career as an elementary teacher, um, and I'm very proud of that. And uh, I think it does matter, you know, when you've been in the shoes of, of the people who are in the classroom and are directing, teaching, and learning every day. And I'm just as proud as that as I am of being a paraprofessional. And it will be good for superintendents to have an education secretary who has done your jobs uh, and have him as a partner, uh, someone who has real respect for teachers. Well, I, I can tell you this. There's there's probably more respect for the profession now than ever before, uh, given remote learning is the <laughs> current yeah. structure for most students. So I think families are seeing firsthand all that teachers do. Uh, and what they do in teaching and learning, but also what they do outside of teaching. And so I think um, respect and admiration has definitely been elevated. Uh, but you're right. I think that the overall perceptions of the profession um, can can be improved. And I think it has been and will continue to be. And I think uh, start of that is, you know, you, 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 you invest in what you value. And I believe that we should be investing more in our teachers, particularly with compensation. And as we continue to do that, um, it will be something that will be, I think, elevated in terms of how it's seen and regarded. I thank you. And, uh, you know, good luck in, in reopening uh, the schools so these kids can get back with their teachers and can get back with each other. And uh, I look forward to following that. Thanks. Thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah. And, and, uh, Thomason and, and Jackie are a reflection of of the great things that are happening in DCPS and how we are supporting families during this pandemic. So I want you to grill them hard, uh, you know, draw out the details from them both of, of the work that they're doing. And I know that they're they're humble, uh, but people need to hear from them and understand how we're supporting families and the great work that they're doing. I appreciate the spotlight on them. Well, that's why I want to get rid of you. Thank you. <laughs> move on to Jackie and the Thomason. Take care. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to be, uh, we're going to be joined by Jackie Elo uh, and my daughter, Thomason Franken. Do you ever feel like you're settling? For your foundation, that is. Maybelline's new Instant Age Rewind Eraser Foundation 
doesn't settle into fine lines and wrinkles. With SPF 20 and moisturizing pro-vitamin B5, this foundation not only provides medium coverage and a natural finish, but also protects and nourishes your skin. And the best part? The blurring sponge tip applicator makes application a breeze. Say goodbye to cakey, uneven foundation and hello to a flawless, radiant complexion. Try our new foundation today and see the difference for yourself at amazon.com slash instant eraser foundation. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code AUDIO to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code AUDIO at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code AUDIO. Uh, Let's go now to Jackie Elo, who is a connected schools manager at Blue High School in D.C., and Thomason Franken, uh, manager of uh, Partner engagement for the D.C. public schools, and just someone I've uh, had my eye on for uh, quite some time, just a uh, uh, terrific young uh, young woman. Uh, Jackie, tell me about uh, Blue. Tell me about the high school. Tell me about uh, the, the kids who go there, about their uh, where they are socioeconomically, where they are, and, and the challenges that you have and what you have done to address them. Thank you uh, for the opportunity. So um, Baloo Senior High School sits in um, Ward 8 of Washington, uh, D.C. Um, we have over 700 students um, in attendance right now. Our students, I would say, are incredibly resilient. Many of them aspire to go to college. They aspire to uh, advance in um, their careers and they are uh, trusting us to support them in getting there. I don't know if you know this, but in DC, there is a lot of school choice. And so even if they live in a community that's close to Baloo, they don't have to choose Baloo. So we're always grateful that you know, our students and families choose to come to Baloo. What we have found is that our students can be incredibly successful. They need some supports to get there at times. Um, And so what we have really worked on with being a connected school is to ensure that we have some strong student support systems in place and that we connect with families because we know that The work that we do um, in partnership with families really sets students up to be successful in their future goals. And and how do you do that? How do you give me an example of how you interact with the families, with the parents, uh, how you engage them? And and your your students are furthest from opportunity. And that is because I looked at the demographics and, and, and again, the economic data there. And so... It's safe to say that a great majority, if not 100% of your students, uh, are furthest from opportunity. We can definitely um, agree on that. And so because of that, we know that some additional supports are required. So one of the first things that we did as COVID-19 proved to be um, 
a global pandemic is that we created um, what we call the Baloo Strong Survey. We really wanted to ensure that our families had access to technology. We wanted to be aware of if they had any food insecurity, that they had any transportation concerns, or if they wanted to be linked to any mental health supports. Through one of our partnerships, we know that um, mental health support is one of the highest things that families rated in Ward 8 as being something that they needed and that they wanted. So we wanted to be aware of what our families needed um, so that we could respond adequately and accurately. And from that survey, we have been able to give out groceries, connect families to mental health supports, support families with enrollment. Um, we've had some families who, you know, were not able to necessarily complete the enrollment process on their own, needed some support. So we set up some socially distanced opportunities to come to the school and do that um, so that we could, you know, be a, a resource in helping them access that. We have also had a lot of different events to give basic needs to many of our families. Um, we had a community day in August where we had food, um, we had um, book bags with supplies, we had some like sports kits, we had a lot of different things that were donated. And so we were able to serve over 300 families um, within the greater Baloo community through that event in partnership with Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. And so a lot of what we do is in partnership with other organizations, other community organizations that um, really want to support. And I mean, um, Thomason does a great job with connecting us to partners. I, I would like to think that what we do as Connected Schools managers is that we, you know, we take those warm handoffs and we create meaningful connections so that we can um, get those resources into the hands of our families who need it the most. I have a very cool job, which is that I. Um, kind of the liaison between the community and, and DCPS schools, students and families. And the community has been incredibly generous and really stepped up during the pandemic. And the way in which I work with Jackie is I know that these connected schools managers are really tapped into their school communities and know what the very specific needs are of each student, each family. So I know that when I refer a resource to Jackie or one of her colleagues in the other nine connected schools, that they will be used very well. Now, that's not to say that we ignore the other, you know, 108 schools in DCPS. Of course, we distribute everything in a very equitable way. But I really enjoy working with Jackie and her colleagues in the connected schools because I know their ability to be very intentional and impactful with the donations that we receive. So for example, a Wizards player, Ish Smith, he donated $15,000 this school year. And he just said, I just wanted to go to help families. You show me a video of this, honey. What one of the schools did uh, was use this money from Ish Smith, this $15,000. I think it was matched by another Wizards player. And what they did, they uh, gave uh, Macs, laptops to, to graduating seniors uh, who were going off to college and surprised them. Uh, they presented them with a large gift bag with, with stuff in it, and the Mac was on the bottom. And it was just uh, so amazing to see the astonishment and pure joy from these kids when they saw their Macs. They were just ecstatic, and you could just feel uh, the joy and the, and the gratitude. Well, yeah, I mean, it just... It was just, there was a lot of joy and gratitude, but also just the warmth 
a lot of these children are with their their parents when they receive these uh, laptops and they were hand delivered by um, people in their schools who they loved and everyone was wearing masks and was safe, but I think there may have been a hug in there. And it was just, it was just a wonderful, happy thing to see. Um, and in DCPS, we want students to feel uh, loved, challenged and prepared. And this was how we prepare our kids for college. And of course, that's with the help of our community members, whether they are members of the sorority that Jackie mentioned or NBA players. So, uh, Jackie, tell me how you personally, how, how you interact with the families at Baloo. We know if families, if their needs are being met, then we know that their students can be scholars. We have many of our students who sometimes have to think about, you know, if they, you know, should work or, you know, what other resources might be available because their families are struggling. I'm one of those people in the building. I get to listen to families, their dreams, their concerns, and their very real fears. You know, whether it is consoling a parent who learned that, you know, one of the family members um, had been shot, or if I'm just talking to um, a family and really understanding what some of their needs are and and how, you know, we can meet them. It, It does put you in a very, like, humbling state of mind. You know, for example, I was I was talking um, to one family and they were actually going to be one of the families that would all their family members would get a few gifts. Um, They were going to be uh, supported. The mom mentioned to me, I'm so grateful that we have the opportunity to, you know, my my children have the opportunity to get gifts for Christmas because I could not have done that. She was like, but if there's anything extra, I would love a robe and a book. And I mean, I, I got off the phone and I just, I cried because um, when you think about the little things that bring joy to people that we sometimes take for granted. And then when you think about, you know, how you can show up as a school and, and really be a family, really be a hub for, for the, the community and your students, they see it. They see you showing up. They see you delivering meals. They see you being there to provide whatever needs that they may have. I think it just creates a different type of environment. Um, it creates a space where not only are you safe to learn that, you know, whatever your family is going through, we really will show up for you. These families, they wouldn't tell you that stuff unless they really trusted you, right? That's been one of the the biggest aspects of um, the connected school work with DCPS. Um, it's really building trust with families and allowing them to know that we are here to support them. Not only because, you know, we love their scholar and we want to see them succeed, but we value their family. We value their contribution to our school community. It's been the biggest honor to, when you know that families trust you And they share really hard and difficult things that they're experiencing, not only so that you can just show up and empathize with them, but that, you know, whenever we have the opportunity to, that if we can help to um, solve for or support them through that, that we absolutely will show up and support them in that way. Yeah, Thomason told me, I hope you don't mind that she told me this story, but there was a family that had uh, uh, food issues, had and but it turned out that one of the big issues regarding food was cooking uh was their ability to cook and that they just needed pots 
those are some of the aspects that when you really get to connect um, with the family, you just learn a little bit more. For this family, it wasn't just uh, food insecurity. It was that they didn't have a way to actually prepare the food. Um, and so we were able to utilize some outside uh, funding to be able to buy that family some some pots and pans. And they were just so uh, appreciative of, of that. And it, you know, it, it seems like something that, you know, can be overlooked uh, very easily. Um, but I think that there are some really key basic items that sometimes our families um, are in need of, and they're very grateful uh, when there is an opportunity for them uh, to access that. And I just feel really privileged to be in a space where um, my role allows me to support families in that way. And again, I don't think, I think there'd be people reluctant to say we don't have pots and pans unless they knew you, unless they trusted you and knew who you were. And I think that's a testament to you and to this program, uh, to the connected schools. I really do. Now, your population is, uh, the students are, I read, 97% black, 3% Latino. And those communities, black and brown communities, have sustained the most damage from COVID in terms of health and death. Uh, and so I imagine your community has seen that at a higher rate than, than other communities. That's part of the reason why we've been um, so focused on developing uh, relationships with families. And then also, you know, for our connected school model, one of our focal points is healing-centered practices. So how do we create spaces for healing um, so that families and students can discuss their pain points, can discuss their, their frustration, their anger, can find healthy ways to leverage those feelings um, and make them actionable? So part of my role, I also work with all of our partners that kind of come into our building, quote unquote, those who might help with any um, academic enrichment, um, with any other type of programming. And so being able to provide space for um, students, whether it's getting community service hours or being able to tutor and having a job where you can be paid to um, be a tutor, um, whatever the case may be, we want to ensure that we are creating spaces where students can um, have their voices heard and then they create some solutions to some of the things that they see. One of the reasons why I've worked in education so long is that youth are brilliant they have some of the most innovative answers to some of our problems. Um, and so just giving them the space to um, really articulate that, I think can be really, really powerful, especially in a space or in a community where at times they don't always feel heard and don't always feel seen is really important to change that narrative for our students. Now, Thomas, and you work with a lot of these partners who come in and do the after school uh, programs. Is that part of your, your job? That's a big part of my job. Um, and Jackie works with those partners that work at Baloo. And a lot of those partners have stepped up and kind of done above and beyond what they usually do as well. Some have been doing their own uh, fundraising and donations. Some of those partners are working in our care classrooms since we're not doing after school this year. We are using those funds to pay some of our after school partners to uh, staff the care classrooms, which has really increased our capacity. 
to serve more students in our schools. You know, we talked at the chancellor a bit about the care classrooms and I really do think, you know, as a parent of young children, uh, that there is a huge value there and the social emotional component of going to school being around other kids is really huge. It's some little things like one of our partners, the House Inc. is at Lecky Education Campus. And I saw some pictures of their classrooms and each kid has a little fishbowl on their desk with a little fish. And there's a picture of a boy just smiling really big. His mask is falling off because he's smiling so big when he steps in the room and sees all the welcoming people and sees the cute little fish that's there for him on his desk. And so I think a lot of what we've all been discussing here is kind of the role of the school, not just as the place where you learn, but just as a a center, a hub of people's lives and children's lives and families' lives. And I know it's something that my children are missing, but Jackie has been doing all this work to help families and students in other ways and to make sure that families feel that they can reach out to her and the, the larger team at Baloo to get what they need. And that's really special and important. And um, the chancellor said that he feels that the public might be a little bit more aware of how schools help people now that we've all had to be home um, and how hard teachers have it. And I think that's true. And I hope that people kind of can hear a little bit about the work that our partners are doing, that Jackie's doing, that our schools are doing to fill in gaps and still fill that role for, for families despite the pandemic. Now, you mentioned your kids. I believe you have a, a seven-year-old boy and a four-year-old girl. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. And uh, they are not going to school. <laughs> and they are... Well, Joe about the care classrooms he's like I would go just to make new friends and I think yeah that's kind of the point I mean obviously there's a lot of people who he's a seven-year-old correct yes he's a seven-year-old <laughs> yeah. um, but you know I have a I have a, a girlfriend of mine her stepdaughter goes to a non-title one school you know she's in a family that is very close to opportunity And they had a teacher volunteer at their school to run a classroom and her uh, fourth grader goes and just loves it. And they're in a mixed classroom. So there's uh, fifth graders in there too. And so she's friends with these cool older fifth grade girls and is just very happy. You know, my friend shared this with me and it made me feel really happy just to hear kind of firsthand from a parent just what the value is of these classrooms and reminded me the importance of social interaction for kids. Honey, uh, you worked so hard to get these care classrooms so these kids could go to school and be with each other, and in many cases, so their parents could go back to work. Uh, And I saw you just working constantly to overcome a lot of barriers. Tell tell us some of the things you had to navigate just very quickly. I mean, just, it's the most boring, annoying stuff in the world. <laughs> that's that's what I want to hear. I want to yeah. hear <laughs> because that's what I was really struck with is that you were <laughs> uh, spending hours and hours and hours on the most boring, annoying stuff in the world. Yeah, but it's also important. So uh, well, important, boring, yeah. and annoying. 
Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess the most annoying but important thing is that, um, you know, when we have adults in our classrooms, I mean, it's hard to find adults who are willing to work right now. And, um, but all the adults have to be safe. We are not sending our kids into buildings with people who have anything that would make us pause uh, about their ability to keep our kids safe. So um, we need several layers of background checks for each individual that's gonna be in our school. So fingerprinting, all this has to be done remotely. Uh, so it's quite complicated. Uh, we need drug tests, which also you have to go in and physically, I believe it's their urine tests. Um, and then we need to check that no one has a record on a um, the DC Child Protection Registry. So going through all of these different systems um, and coordinating with our different partners about their employees has, has been a lot of work. And it's very unsexy. It's just a lot of work. Um, yep. and, it, and it delays people being able to start working. Um, you have to make sure that the people are clear. That's kind of a non-negotiable. Now, now, Jackie, how long have you been doing this? You, you mentioned you've been doing it a while. How long? Um, I've been doing work like this for over 10 years, I would say. And you seem to have a passion for it. Yeah, I, I, I love young people and I really love supporting um, families. Um, it's really, really important to me. Well, God, God bless you for doing that. Uh, One thing I'd like to, to just say is that, you know, Jackie and her colleagues um, who are these Connected Schools managers, you know, they did a presentation for few of the DCPS teams last week. And I mean, I guess it is kind of their job to do this, but they really just go above and beyond uh, to meet the needs of the families. And I think she touched on this. Transportation is an issue for so many families. And so even when Jackie and her colleagues are able to get all these resources for them, they can't get them. And so Jackie's driving around doing deliveries and so are her colleagues and just that level of commitment um, is really special and that DCPS is able to commit to having a Jackie in 10 of our schools and and maybe more um, is a really great thing. Yeah. Well, listen, I think that's such a, a great point because not every school has the opportunity to have someone that's in place and thinking about, you know, what some of the basic needs for families might be during COVID or, or how do we respond or, you know, being able to highlight that transportation, you know, food insecurity and, you know, violence have, have all like increased and impacted our families. And, you know, being able to speak to that, um, not only at the school level, but to connect with the community and, you know, with central office to discuss this from an equity lens to ensure that, you know, our, our students and families, you know, have access to what they need. All of this work that we do, I always say that we want to ensure that our, our families maintain their dignity and that we're doing this with integrity. That's really, really an important aspect of that trust building um, that is crucial to this connected school work. Yeah, and if families didn't trust Jackie to hear what their needs are, she would never know and they would not get the resources she could offer. And so that part of the work is, is so important. It's uh, very moving what you guys do. Less so, Thomason. I agree. Well, I'm looking at the people's drug test results are clear. 
But uh, thank you, Jackie. Uh, what you do is so it's it's just uh, I admire you so much, and that you don't want that. You don't care. You don't actually care. <laughs> that I, but I think I I just want our listeners to feel good about the dedication of people like you, and to get hope for that, and also inspiration. So how's that? Thank you, Jackie. Thank you. Uh, Thomason, thanks for kind of bringing this all to my attention and for being a great daughter and mother of the two, uh, the se- what, seven and four, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that is the sound of Thomason being sick of one of my jokes, right? Yep, sure is. <laughs> Well, I I hope you enjoyed uh, listening. That beautiful music is by Leo Kotke, the great Leo Kotke. I want to thank Peter Ogburn for producing this podcast. We'll talk again next week. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the Al Franken podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Once upon a beat. Remember those stories and fables that would capture your imagination and you couldn't wait to see how they would unfold? And now, when you read them as an adult, you think some of these old tales could use a fresh spin. We have a perfect podcast to bring you the stories you remember, remix, and reimagine for the kids in your life today. Join me, DJ Fuse, and my trusty turntable, Baby Scratch, as we spin up new tales in the New Kids and Family Podcast, Once Upon a Beat. Wondry and Tinkercast are bringing you a jam-packed, music-filled weekly party where hip-hop and fables meet. It's Once Upon a Beat. Follow Once Upon a Beat on the Wondry app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Once Upon a Beat early and ad-free right now by joining Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or Wondry Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Once Upon a Beat. The early 2000s was a wild time for reality TV. There seemed to be an endless supply of shows that delivered entertainment for us, but trauma for children. I'm Misha Brown, the host of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop. Each week on The Big Flop, comedians join me to chronicle the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? We recently looked behind the scenes of what was really going on at Abby Lee Miller's dance studio. Abby's biggest misstep wasn't screaming nonsensical catchphrases or throwing chairs on television, but instead, she was choreographing financial fraud in plain sight. Join me to break down all the wild details of Abby Lee Miller's story. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Big Flop early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus.